I, I'm I was feeling pretty good. <laughs> oh wait, am I supposed to start this one? Oh, hey, you're listening to the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with me, Ellen Cherry, and my coffee drinking friend Andrew Grimm. Hey there. So today we are continuing to explore the question of. Why aren't we famous, and why aren't other things that we think should be famous famous? Because we're just perplexed, totally perplexed. Totally perplexed. So um, the topic of is, okay, and so Andrew Grimm, you can't see this, but he's holding up his cap to the microphone. Yeah. This is going to be an all-cat podcast. Old Mig. A cat cast. Cat cast. Podcast. <laughs> A podcast. Oh, even uh, more clever. Dang. <laughs> So, on today's episode, we are we have both written essays about um, fame and artistic value. Yeah. What, so, what does that mean, artistic value? Well, I think um, when we were hastily defining it to each other on the street <laughs> the other day, so we could write these essays, you said, "Does a work of art that becomes commercialized then lose its original artistic value?" Uh, for, I did say that. Didn't for I? example, if a Van Gogh painting which is emotionally moving to you, then shows up on a mug. How do, how do we feel? Does that diminish the original work? Ooh. And so I thought, I thought really hard about that, and I worked really hard on my essay. Should we listen to it? We should. I should, I should temper this with, that's not at all what I wrote about. That's okay. It doesn't matter. That's okay, because the essay that we're doing, the next essay is also, I went way off topic. Yeah, the history one. Yeah, that's next in the series. It was too, it was too broad, and I just felt like, I don't know, it was a weird day. But anyway, okay. I feel like I stayed close to this, but that's okay because that's the point. We listen to each other's essays, and then we discuss. We talk about. We it. talk about both the essay and the original topic matter. That's true. That's true. Um, I think the essays will not take away from the original question. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, here we go. We're gonna listen to Ellen Cherry now. We. The first time that I saw a painting called The Vertigo of Eros by Roberto Mata, I walked right past it and into a room of Monet paintings. I think after that I wandered into a group of Jackson Pollocks and then circled back into the room with Mata's painting. In the secondary encounter, I got caught in a sticky visual web. The threads of the painting drew me closer to it. I stood in front of it and experienced it for probably I don't know, I would guess 45 minutes. I had lunch in the cafe there at the Modern Museum of Art in New York City, and I spent another hour drinking in other sculptures and paintings, but not really, because every moment I was longing to return to the Mata. Before I left the museum that day, I made a special trip back to the floor where the painting was, and again, I was trapped for 25 or 30 minutes. It was two years before I had a chance to be back in MoMA, and the very first thing that I did was to find the vertigo of Eros and spend time with it. It hadn't lost any of its power to me, even though I hadn't seen it for two years. I fell once again into the inscape of the painting and was absorbed, immune to the other museum goers using their cell phones to take cheap pictures of priceless works of art all around me. I was interested in little else. I thought about that painting on the bus ride home. Nothing in the landscape could match it. I closed my eyes and thought about standing in front of it. When I woke up the next morning, I still thought about the colors, the lines, the hidden comments in the background, like seemingly inconsequential props on the set of a play. 
I looked up the painting on Google Images. All of the photographs were of something almost completely unrecognizable. They were garish and tiny. The powerful canvas I had stood in front of was six feet by eight feet, and it was rich and dense. I know it's impossible, but that painting I stood in front of had a smell, like duff, the damp and ancient forest floor. In front of my computer, looking at the screen, I felt nothing, and I smelled nothing. Since then, I've understood that I will have to return to the real painting again and not see a digital version of it. It bothered me so much because suddenly I felt like something important had been ripped away. Now my memories of the painting were influenced by this miniature version I had let myself see. It hurt me in a way. I was glum and somber because something so big had been made so small. Man, it was very dramatic, man. Yeah, I uh, I totally brought us into a dramatic mood. <laughs> yeah, but it's it, it's true. I was I was waiting like um I was waiting for you to talk about like uh yeah you know so I went down to the gift shop and I bought me a a, a Virgo of Arrows placemat because every time I I I'll eat my toast I want to be staring at that thing, man. You know. Wait, are you <laughs> making fun of somebody? <laughs> Nobody specific, right? <laughs> Nobody specific. It's People with not that accent also buy mouse pads with priceless works of art. They on do. Them and t-shirts. <laughs> and all manner of things that are, you know, made from petrochemicals and <laughs> are miniature, not correctly colorized versions of these paintings. I sure. really thought about that. I mean... I, I know I sounded really dramatic, but that painting, I think about that painting a lot. And I am upset that I allowed myself to see a, a version of it that isn't true. Yeah. I'm going to check it out on my phone. I'll probably get the same experience, won't I? <laughs> no. Vertigo. Don't. Uh, I'm sorry, girl. I'm, I'm going there. Vertigo. So, wait. Talk to me about the essay and what you thought. Um. Well, what I what I thought it's you know it's it's a it's a testimony to that idea of like you know the the experience you have to experience art you have to experience like you know I I got I got in a semi argument with somebody about I guess I, maybe it was the Mona Lisa or something or whatever and he was, this guy was kind of talking down to me about it like well you know you'll never understand unless you actually see it I was like okay well let me just go ahead and spend all my money and fly over and, and check it out yeah you know I was like well. It's not that I wouldn't appreciate the opportunity to see it. Of course I would. But the opportunity may be rare. That's true. And I, I am willing to guess that the internet as the great as a great equalizer of that, that people are able to experience facsimiles of great works of art without having like access. It gives people who normally would not have access access because the MoMA is a twenty five or thirty five dollar ticket. You have yeah. to be in New York. I can't afford that. It's not like Baltimore's museums, which most of them are free, which truly is that the access then involves do you have the time, energy, and transportation to get there? And they're all they're all packed anyhow. What? The museums? Yeah. In Baltimore? So, <laughs> yeah, like the, right. the lines are around the corner. It's amazing how many time how many people are taking advantage of our free art museums. Um, no, I agree. Like, I think that there's probably a little bit of snobbery in what I'm saying that, um, Oh, I'm not saying you're snobbery. I'm, I'm no. just, I'm, you know, I mean, you have the opportunity to see it yeah. and you know, it, uh, what I'm saying is I have the privilege and the luxury to see it. That's well, what I'd like to say. Well, that, that is a privilege and is a luxury, but it's also, that's the point of the art. 
the point of the art is to go see it. Yeah. And so I, I completely disagree. I, I completely agree with, with, with those types of things. Um, it's just a matter of like, you know, if, if you're going to experience, you ha- you have to go and experience. I understand that if I don't see, um, uh, whatever, a Matisse exhibit, you know, but I have a Matisse coffee mug, you know, it's not the same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I get that. And, and that's kind of maybe part of the argument that we can have is that, is that the art is the art, the artifacts that you take away from it is a reminder or maybe it says something about you more yeah. than it says something about the art you know the the because you're you're buying when you go to the gift shop and you buy you know the arrows uh, the vertigo of arrows like you know baby doll tea yeah right or scarf thong <laughs> of course i would buy the vertigo of arrows thong, thong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, you know. Um, well, this brings up a point that I think relates to our overarching concept of why aren't you famous and what does commercialization of artwork have to do with fame? It's I, I think that they're intimately tied, and you and I both have colleagues that are great merchandisers. Oh, yeah. That are really good at selling the merch side, and not necessarily the CDs, but the, the merchandise that they create, and are very creative doing it, and I am always impressed by that. However, I don't choose my to spend my time thinking about it too much, sure, and sure. much to the detriment of my finances, you know? Like, I have not, I've not sold... My own personal vertigo of Eros's thongs. Thong to thong. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a badonka thong. My badonka thong. Um, oh, I'm well, so glad that a conversation about Roberto Mata has resulted in. Um, I did just distort the mic. I think by yeah, saying that. Sorry, it, yeah. everyone. Wow, I'm gonna turn your I'm gonna turn your gain down, girl. Turn my gain down. Um, yeah. uh, to, to a Trace Atkins song. <laughs> Honky tonk. Well, that's somebody else's. Doesn't somebody else do the the donkey dog song? I don't know. Somebody else get closer to your mic. Okay, so we somebody should listen did. to your essay because I actually see uh, it coming up in the queue. Oh, it's getting there. Um, all right, and then there's there's more to be. I th- I like this topic. This is a fun topic to talk about. Yeah. Uh, because I don't know. Maybe it's meaning. Maybe it's whatever. So okay, here comes my essay. Enjoy. The artist is the creator of beautiful things. To reveal art and conceal the artist is art's aim. The critic is he who can translate into another manner or a new material his impression of beautiful things. The highest is the lowest form of criticism is a mode of autobiography. Those who find ugly meanings in beautiful things are corrupt without being charming. This is a fault. Those who find beautiful meanings and beautiful things are the cultivated. For these, there is hope. They are the elect to whom beautiful things mean only beauty. There is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. Books are well written or badly written. That is all. The 19th century dislike of realism is the rage of Caliban seeing his own face in a glass. The 19th century dislike of romanticism is the rage of Caliban not seeing his own face in a glass. The moral life of man forms part of the subject matter of the artist, but the morality of art consists in the perfect use 
of an imperfect medium. No artist desires to prove anything. Even things that are true can be proved. From the point of view of form, the type of all arts is the art of the musician. From the point of view of feeling, the actor's craft is the type. All art is at once surface and symbol. Those who go beneath the surface do so at their peril. Those who read the symbol do so at their peril. It is the spectator and not life that art really mirrors. Diversity of opinion about a work of art shows that the work is new, complex, and vital. We can forgive a man for making a useful thing as long as he does not admire it. The only excuse for making a useless thing is that one admires it intensely. All art is quite useless. Preface to Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Although Oscar Wilde says that art is useless, he doesn't say it's not without value. Value is absolutely subjective, unless it's a need. We need air, water, food, and shelter. And when it comes to air and water, two resources that will succumb to man's wasteful nature in the near future, I'm sure there's some enterprising young douchebag ghoul Martin Shkreli-like bastard who will figure out a way to package air, commodify it, and sell it at the top dollar, no doubt becoming rich, but at all costs including his own soul. But is artistic value different? Maybe. The difference, I think, is in the need for art. In particular, music. Scrolling through Facebook, you'll find this winking, smiling emoji giving a thumbs up, and then it says, Thank a musician. Without music, your life would suck. Why not pay the musician? Support them by bringing people to a show. Why not shut the fuck up about whatever bullshit you're talking about two feet from the stage while I'm playing a song? Why not? Well, because apparently there is no dearth of musicians and music. Maybe a scarcity of talent, but not material, and people have a hard time distinguishing between the two. When there is a surplus, we tend to not think about it. In fact, the only people who think about that are the musicians themselves. They are the ones who have to create the value for themselves and not necessarily for others. It takes a hell of a lot of will to push back the ego and create art, then take the risk of being vulnerable in a performance that no one will ever hear but yourself. But that's the deal. Being Caliban and looking into the mirror and seeing his own reflection, or being Caliban and looking in the mirror and not seeing his own reflection, raging all the same, but there's no audience. Isn't the fact that he's raging at all the important part? That's the value, the confrontation or non-confrontation, the resolution. It's important it's valuable because it's truth and no matter what anybody tells you these days the truth is valuable Mark Mulcahy said it best when he said when I started writing songs I was trying to save the world 
I learned very quickly that I couldn't do that. So instead, I tried to save myself to prove to others that it could be done. That was a lot of words. <laughs> a lot of words. Um, interesting to quote one of my favorite authors, primarily because of his humor, Oscar Wilde. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, my first impressions on hearing it are about the word need, mm. because you talk about the need for air, water, food. And I think that. The, there are other needs that we we don't actually I th- people do die like you can supposedly you can live without affection mm-hmm. in your life you know and, and babies who don't get touched and things like that but it does is that really you know being alive it affects their being aliveness I think because sure. that is also a need and that's an that is a I suppose higher on the the pyramid of needs um, in terms of like having to be fed and um, sheltered but I I really agree strongly with your point that because of the amount of content that exists, there is no, there's no silent place that people are coming from where they, when they hear music again, that need is finally being met because I don't know, it's just really, we're in a warped time <laughs> because there's no silence um, you are hearing music everywhere you go, frequently like wallpaper, mm-hmm. and so there's no, there's no deficit. Uh, Amy Land, uh, Amy Mann has a great quote in one of her songs that she says, you know, you um, something to the effect of creating want by um, creating desire, basically by creating lack. Mm-hmm. You know, I turn my back to you and to show you that I don't need it, basically, so that you will desire me more. And and I have found in my life that that is even more depressing and <laughs> and operating from a state of abundance and having uh-huh. having enough of things actually does propel me further. You know, having enough food, having enough shelter, having sure. enough, just like anybody, that it's not the supply and demand part of it. But the question here is having enough good of that right, right good food good sleep good water good affection good music good right. writing good art and that's the deficit that we experience sure yeah when i was when i was writing that part about i was thinking about um you know the 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 difference between talent and just going out and doing stuff and and by no means do i i think that people who you know play in cover bands or do the bar scene aren't talented you know i'm sure there's talent there but and we both got some of our experiences, and I think Man, from that, yeah. I still play bars. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still out there. I played one a month ago. <laughs> and, and it's like you're kind of like, you know, depending on the situation, it's either really fun or you know, but you're, the seventh I, level of hell. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like you know, it's the circle of total bastards. You know, you're like, what am I doing here? You know, and and people, you know, sometimes people like really dig. You know, you're playing your original stuff, and then other people are like, you know. I need to hear Wagon Wheel. I need it right now. You know. You are obsessed with that song. I am not obsessed with that <laughs> song. I am. I'm obsessed with with the request of that song. The song itself is inconsequential. To I feel me. like every time I see you, we're talking about that Wagon Wheel. Song. Yeah, man. Rock me, Mama, like Don't a wagon wheel. Don't sing it right wheel. now because I've avoided Rock it for me, a long baby, time. till I can't Back ever feel. Back to your point. Hey. Back to your point. Hey. And how it relates to the artistic value, because you did veer off 
quite from the topic we discussed. Well, because the artistic value is uh, sort of, but like I think the the value is the value that you place in it, and not it's not about the listener. Okay. You know, because I mean, I I want it to be. I want to share it with the listener, and there is a certain sense of validation that I think everybody wants to feel from from putting that song out there or whatever. And getting the response, admiration, etc. You know, that's. That's always the icing on the cake. Yeah, and it and that's a completely backwards, upside down, bullshit way of looking at it. Because, you know, I'm sorry, but was it five hundred thousand or five million or whatever it is? Elvis fans can't be wrong. They can totally be wrong. They can be absolutely, completely, totally, one hundred percent wrong. Number one selling car in 1987, Ford fucking Escort. <laughs> what a what an automobile. It must. You know what? That must have been the Rolls Royce of 1987. <laughs> I don't. 1987 was definitely not the Rolls Royce year of the 80s, though. That's maybe more the issue because, like, who thinks about 1987? I do all the time. I was a freshman in high school. Actually, I was. At, well, it depends. 87, spring of 87, I was still a freshman. 87, the fall, I was a sophomore, okay. a man of the world. Where was I in 87? Awkward, wearing a turtleneck. <laughs> that time hasn't ended at all. <laughs> I'm not wearing a turtleneck, listeners. I'm wearing a button-down shirt buttoned all the way at the top for modesty. <laughs> wow. I, I, requ- I, requested, I requested her to wear the shirt like that because <laughs> I, was, I was just too... I was like, you know, Ellen Cherry, stop. You're like a sister. <laughs> right. You're like a sister. <laughs> Can't be looking at you across this room. <laughs> no. Anyway, we are no. rambling and rambling. We are not rambling. We're having a good time. <laughs> you know, just go with the flow. Okay. And, uh, okay, so when we... You know, we had a conversation last week where you were kind of, you were a little bit concerned about like, well, when we do the podcast, are we just navel gazing? At like, what point does this just become more self-absorbed? I with am our own, concerned with about that. Yeah. So I, I appreciate anyone who's still listening at this point. Thank you. Because <laughs> we need you, listener. <laughs> we do. We, we love need, you. We need you. That's. <laughs> uh, she's kissing her own microphone. Anyway, back to the conversation we were having but, last but, week where I was well, worried about it being too navel-gazy. But the whole idea is for us to kind of talk about these ideas and we're having a conversation and we, we can only have the conversation because we've had the experience. Well, other people can have the conversation too, but yeah. but our conversation is based on our own personal experiences about how these things happen. So, you know, it's kind of like part of the deal. Um, I don't think we should be really careful about, you know, hurting people's feelings necessarily, but we should, we should be nice because you should always be nice. Yeah. But uh, until it's time to not be nice, sometimes until it's, it's time to be sharks in the tank. Oh, piranhas in the tank! When it's happening in like ten years, when I'm oh, done yeah. with this shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I have my own podcast called Bad Mouthing Ellen Cherry. <laughs> Let me tell you about that buttoned-up shirt she was wearing. <laughs> my goodness, wearing white after Labor Day. Oh my <laughs> I don't, god! Like for Shaw, <laughs> yeah, because you know I'm a fashion maven myself. <laughs> yes. It's obvious today. <laughs> yes, my BGD hat. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But artistic value. If we yes. go back, if we go back to the point, like, I, and I think the commercialism, as, as soon as you, as soon as you slap it on a mug, and you think about this, like, is your live performance art, or is it just a calling card for someone to buy a CD, or a download card, or is the download itself art, or are they both art? You know, I guess depending on how much time you put into the recording or how much time time you put in the rehearsal of your performance. Um, 
you know, I have travel mugs that I'm trying to sell. I have two freaking travel mugs I'm trying to sell. They have nothing to do with anything that I've ever done. It's just a repurposed gift from uh, uh, an ex relative in law. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sorry for anybody who <laughs> I'm sure none of them are listening to this podcast. Wait, it's just two travel mugs. Yeah, I got. Uh, yeah, it was like. Um, I'll buy one. You, you could you could print out the uh, you could they, they printed out like album covers. Oh, okay. And they and so it's like one of those like uh, you can customize. Gotcha. Was in there, and so I put a download card in it. I was just trying to get rid of a download card. Yeah. I mean, isn't that sad that this is where I am? I'm just trying to get rid of a download card. I could just throw them in the sewer. <laughs> you know, I could just shred them, <laughs> set them on fire. I could use them as kindling. You know, what does it in matter? A non-existent fireplace. <laughs> yes. Well, okay, so. This is the thing that I feel like was the focus of the original question, which we both uh, approached differently, and mm-hmm. that's good. Um, <laughs> I think it is good. Yeah. Um, that when we put out albums with artwork on them and we work in studios with fine monitoring systems and... and expensive microphones. And expensive microphones. Preamps and really talented engineers. And with Yeah, and exactly. And people working hard um, all through the process. And then you have this big, beautiful sound that is, um, you know, basically gets shrunk down to the cover of a mug. Although, where am I going with that? Because that's not actually true. I'm, now I'm commenting on the listening environment, which uh, isn't the same. That's a different conversation. But the... Well, aren't you talking about, like, if, if I... Let me hijack Like, this if first. this beautiful song you wrote, the two... The first four bars of it are then featured in a commercial promoting something. Right. Does that take away from it? Yeah. Like, does it take away from the original song? Because, I mean, I Because it's no longer the song. It's a commercial. Yeah. Hmm. And the selling part of it. How much? I know. How much are you going to get? Jason Butcher. Jason Butcher's was just... Uh, he was on a Toyota commercial. Oh, good for him. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much he got paid. I gotta ask him. But that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Jason Butcher plays in a band called Among Wolves. Yeah. By the way, which are they're great. They're a great band. Maybe we'll be featuring one of their songs. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, but they're kind of like they're like my competition. Oh, are we so. not? We're not graciously <laughs> featuring people that we want to take down. I'm just kidding. They're not my competition. <laughs> they're not even in your galaxy. They are not, man. I tell you what, those dudes. Um, nah, they're my guy. They're good. I like those guys. I've always liked those guys. Backtrack, 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 yep. backtrack. Yep. Don't listen to this play, podcast. Play nice. No, there, well, there's there's a podcast where um, uh, the Society Fringe podcast. I don't I don't know if you ever listened to it, but no. it's, it's the guys who were in Circle Nine. There's two of them, Dave Linitude and uh, and Brian Lutz, and uh, they're really entertaining. Um, Dave says some wildly inappropriate things from time to time, but it's really kind of funny podcast to. To listen to and they're they're doing this like 80s song rock opera thing and this dave lunatude's got he's got all these ideas he's, he's it's crazy um but uh during the podcast they'll they'll talk about people and then they talk about baltimore and then you know they they'll bring me up a whole bunch of times what's really funny is like brian lutz is always like he's like yeah yeah andy grimm opened that show yeah yeah he's playing acoustic you know i don't know i just really don't like it when he plays acoustic and then there's this pause he goes Sorry, Andrew, if you're listening. <laughs> like, and you're like, I have listening, yeah, you like, dick. It's like, I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't get mad about that, so I don't care. That's okay, fine. So I have a question for you. Yes. Think about the favoritist song or like... Favoritist, yes. Your favoritist song of your own okay. that you wrote. Uh-huh. 
and somebody coming along and saying, I have this product and I want to use the riff for it. Mm-hmm. And you know that like, you know, probably <laughs> you knew. Stop. Through, yeah, I'm stopping. through your through your travels you have played that song for 10,000 people 10,000 right. people have heard it and right. experienced its beauty and you have experienced its beauty in front of them yes but then all of a sudden there's the promise of now a million people hearing your song uh-huh. but it's associated with I don't know a product that you're not really necessarily that proud of contributing to uh, would you do it no I, I wouldn't do it if if it's a product I'm neutral about, like I'll, I'll be a gold digger for a second, and, and just, I mean straight up, like if if it was a product that was you know not detrimental detrimental to the world, yeah, um, and they offered me a whole bunch of money, where I am in my career, hell yeah, I'd take it. So because I, I I can pay, I you know what that will allow me the 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 space and the time and the and 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 the cushion the financial cushion to pursue other things. Yeah. Or to continue to pursuing what you're doing. Now, if I'm, if, if I'm like, you know, if I had a thousand subscribers to my podcast or to my, uh, to my Bandcamp page, hint, hint, um, Bandcamp on or junestar.bandcamp.com. That's right. $5 a month. You get over, over 300 songs for $5 a month. Dang. That's so good. Yeah, exclusive content. Only you can listen to. will never be on a record. <laughs> Anyhow, but if I had if 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 I was sustained by that, I would probably think twice about licensing it. If it's a song that I really really loved, and because I mean I care about these songs, but I'm also not in that position right now. Yeah. And so it's like. So it's situational ethics. Then you got to make a decision when it happens. It's when and and it's what the product is. So like you if it, may if it's like, or may not be getting a call from North Korea to use your song <laughs> as a soundtrack for when they finally release their nuclear weapons. Yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna license without you now. Because I feel. Because <laughs> I feel like that. That's probably the only thing I would object to. <laughs> well, I and you know if Bushmaster rifles. Oh yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. right? Um, uh, Donald Trump victory lap stump speech. Could somebody make a Donald Trump tampon? Because I would totally put my face on that box. If you know what I mean by box. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got this blonde texture to it. And it's orange and yeah, that's gross. But it has an extra long string for the tie, right? Is this what you? It's a pet I really apologize to everybody who's listening to this now. This is, Sorry, mom. Well, no, let's not be apologetic. Who cares? Whatever, you know, doesn't matter. I agree, and it's supposed to be a funny conversation, an interesting it is. point it of is. conversation. We're just finally becoming one, interesting. And this one has been so weird and meandery, and away from topic. So let's go back to our um, one of Artistic our segments. Balance. Well, okay. no, oh, no like, segment. I feel okay. like we've talked about that right, in a gone, lot of different we've gone ways. Far and people can tell us that we haven't, and that's fine. Whatever, we're not going to read your comments. <laughs> I'm just whoa. Oh no, are you all right? Yeah, you we, all we right? basically just told off the listeners. I'm sorry, like, listeners. Yeah, we're not going. We don't care. We don't care about what you got to say. Um, I will read them as punishment, as penance, as as her as her digital hair shirt. <laughs> I will read your comments and she, love them. She, this morning on NPR on the way to see you. Um, they were trying to get finished with a little fundraising segment and somebody sneezed right before they went to commercial. Oh, it was no. so cute. I was just like, oh, real people. Oh, they could have gotten an, an NPR tissue out of the NPR tote. 
Right, exactly. Ooh, so, June Star tote bags. That's the answer to all no, my problems. Thongs. I want a June Star thong. A June Star thong. So you can be as close to me as possible. Oh, you know, okay. So this is funny. Okay, well, whatever. We're way off topic and it doesn't matter anymore. So we're rec- right. Uh, this is September 12th or September 13th. Yes. When we're recording this. So this is, you guys are listening in October right now, but in September, we played, uh, June Star played uh, the WTMD first Thursday. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm still wearing the VIP bracelet. That's right. We forgot to talk about your sparkly yeah. bracelet. Well, because it's artistic value. Like me as an artist, uh, rarely am I valued by, you know, the venue. Yeah. Like, or like, you know, you, you, you get these shows and it's, it's, it's like the green room. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a green, oh, ooh, you know, you get treated well or whatever. It's like a little nice little bump. And I will not take this VIP bracelet off. For a long time, because it just reminds me, for one for one glorious afternoon, I was able to walk in and out of the VIP and the green room area free. You had the badge. You had I the had backstage the, pass. I had a badge. I had a bracelet. And I had a suede jacket that I was wearing. People with walkie-talkies were like, artist entering. That's right. Oh, you're allowed. Come in. Uh, no, go on in. you go on in. not. Uh-huh. No, no, brace, no bracelet. Now, I will say that all the other bands had their own cooler and of course June Star didn't. And if you look at Dang. the and if you look at the poster, June Star has been left off the poster. But TMD, what the Well, we were a late addition. Yeah. So, but I mean it's always nice to play and you I know, think you've very, also done it a couple of times. Haven't? Isn't this like your second or third first Thursdays? This is my second first Thursday. I've the only first got asked once. The first Thursday, first first Thursday or whatever yeah first first thursday we did was um the penultimate that first was, thursday that was in 2004 i oh, think yeah. who can even remember when it was that at the uh, when it was at the monument yeah and uh we opened for ari hest oh cool i was yeah. at that show yeah i saw you play at that show yeah, that was uh i thought it was very good well that was very kind of you to say that <laughs> there were some there were some issues <laughs> so are. but um but I, you know, I, I wear this bracelet proudly because it's like that, you know, that reminder that while I'm taking out the trash, I was once a VIP. Very insignificant, I mean, important person. I was very, yes, <laughs> very uh, idiotic, no, voluptuously. Ooh, ooh. I like the word voluptuous. Oh, yeah. Well, if you, anybody likes the vertigo of arrows is all about voluptuousness. Mm, the vertigo of arrows. <laughs> and the bedouin becomes the voluptuary. <laughs> Who is voluptuary a word? Yeah. Voluptuary. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love my next essay. uh, My essay has to do with words. Oh, which apparently I have a lot of. Yes, you Um, do. So so the next segment, go ahead. The next segment is the tour. Yes, right? And then we feature the thing we Then we're going to feature the the, the music. And I know who we're going to feature. Okay. I got it in my head. Great. Groovy. I'm I'm all about it. So where are we going on the next part of the tour? So we start Pittsburgh, then uh, Columbus, and then maybe Cleveland or something like that. Uh, But then I was thinking Detroit. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. And... uh, the, the great thing about Detroit and the great thing about the music it's of this week. barbecue, slow barbecue. Oh, yes. That Detroit? Barbecue in Detroit? Slow's barbecue. Slow's barbecue? I don't think I've ever been there. I've been there twice because of puppets. <laughs> yes, listener. Of course, of course. I've been there. I've been to this one barbecue joint because of puppets. Not because it was good, but because the puppets... <laughs> Made me go to Slow's barbecue. Jerry, go to Slow's barbecue. 
barbecue. Yeah, like all freaking puppets sound like that. You are such a puppetist. <laughs> That's yeah, such puppism. That is puppetism. Puppist. Puppetism. <laughs> no, you know that I make part of my living making music with puppeteers. Well, I'm glad you didn't say with puppets. <laughs> and I play music for puppet shows and we go to the Detroit Institute of the Arts, which is Detroit, yeah, DIA, Institute of Art. And it is a beautiful art museum. And there's a huge, ama- like I'm not going to say it, there's an amazingly big, tremendous Diego Rivera um, fresco painting around this um, one marble room. And you can, I sit for hours. It's wonderful. Huh? And they have great stuff. Anyway, but you go down the street and you go to, I'm pretty sure it's called Solo's Barbecue. Yeah, well, so we're going to Detroit. We're going to go to Detroit. Um, and Detroit is, <clears throat> Detroit gets a lot of, flack i guess or whatever and you know michigan i mean they, they have they have their problems and stuff like that but um i've had nothing but but fun and good times in detroit i really like detroit a lot they have an incredible art scene mm-hmm. incredible people yep and i'm totally starting to sound like the president and the guy who uh <laughs> yeah, i mean look at the crowds the size of the crowds the size of the crowds of people who have lost their homes because of the right. downturn in the economy i'm gonna move on them like a bitch <laughs> Oh God, Jesus! Oh, um, save us all. <laughs> I don't know. You got to save yourself, girl. Um, but uh, but uh, Don Dupree is the person that we're going to help with booking the show in Detroit. Nice. Hello, um, Don. And uh, yeah, you can call him Dupe. Dupe. Uh, he's got a band, uh, uh, Dupe and the Inside Outlaws. Oh, cool! What a cool name. And uh, he rents out a room to Sturgill Simpson's keyboard player. Oh, cool! <laughs> which is pretty cool. Uh, but he's a really great guy. He's a great songwriter. We're basically like. 13 Kevin Bacons from fame right there. We're pretty close. We're pretty <laughs> close. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we... Uh, Can I confess something? That you, like every time I hear the name Sturgill Simpson, I think of um, the fish Sturgeon. Sturgeon Simpson. Sturgeon. Like I just think like, are you, are you sure Sturgill that your name isn't Sturgeon? <laughs> Sturgill. That sounds like, yeah, I guess, yeah. Right? Anyway, go ahead. What were you going to say? Don Dupree, Sturgill <laughs> Simpson, Kevin Bacon. We're right. all, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. And you keep bumping your mic. I know. Donk, 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 donk. And now it's full circle. Bonk, bonk, donk, donk, donk. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyhow, so, uh, but, but Dupe has been helping me out with shows there in, uh, in Detroit, and he's a really great guy. Um, and so we're going to listen to one of his songs. Oh, cool. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll chat about it. Nice. Real quick. All Let's right. listen. This is Don Dupree. Don Dupree. Well, Dupe and the Inside Outlaws. Dupe and the Inside Outlaws with their track. To be named in a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really organized here at the at the Ellen Just Jerry Ingram compound. Okay. All right. Gosh. <laughs> found a girl and we said our vows we tried for a kid and we ended up with two now it seemed like they're shutting this town down so tell me what am i supposed to do and what am i supposed to do lord tell me what am i supposed to do because this is all i have ever known so tell me what am i supposed 
sold a car just to keep your house It's getting hard to hold on to anything And the union boys, yeah, they made some noise But in the end they had to feed their families too And union dues, they can't help me now So tell me, what am I supposed to do? And what am I supposed to do? Lord, tell me, what am I supposed to do? Cause this is all I have ever known So tell me, what am I supposed to do? Check's gonna stop coming soon. No more help from the state. And I'm 45 and I got no place to hide. And I got nothing left to lose. This is what I get after all that I gave. So tell me, what am I supposed to do? And what am I supposed to do? Lord, tell me, what am I supposed to do? This is all I have ever known, so tell me, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do, Lord, tell me, what am I supposed to do? Cause this is all I have ever known, so tell me, what am I supposed to Don Dupree and the Inside Outlaws. I liked it. Oh, did you? I did. I don't. I don't know. You were like looking at your phone the entire time. I w- not the entire time, just part of the time. <laughs> Stopped and listened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I like, what I really like about Dupe is, um, you know, he's. Um, I don't want this to sound like, I guess, overly critical in a negative sense, but he's he's very consistent in the fact that he's. He's writing about uh, kind of Detroit, and he lives in River Rouge, which is an, uh, a neighborhood. I want to say that's south of of Detroit. Um, I could be wrong. Sorry, Dupe, if I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. Um, but uh, he 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 lives in this kind of like small port neighborhood that used to. Well, he references in the song like his family came there like three generations before. Yeah, 1933. Yeah. And this whole thing, like, is, is all about, like, the, the decaying city. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of it, like, even just listening to that, I, I think about all the times that I, I've, I've stayed with Duke probably about five or six times now. And every time, like, he takes me to a new part of town that is, you know, kind of falling apart but is still home. And we went to this, we went to this diner that, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, got some eggs and some bacon and whatever. It was a ton of food, and like the bill was like four dollars and twenty cents. It yeah. was it was ridiculous. Or I go to a Mexican place, but wherever you go, everybody knows Don. Everybody knows him, and he knows everybody. And it's you know, it's kind of this kind of cool thing. So a lot of his songs kind of revolve around that type of idea. It's 
it's kind of like he's he is like the kind of like Bruce Springsteen of this Detroit type of scene, except he's he's not a billionaire. He's yeah, he's dupe. You know. I also think that I, the, I can hear why his sound appeals to you because of your love of Tom Petty. Like I feel like the overall vibe of his voice is very Tom Petty. Yeah. Not necessarily like, I mean, and the structure of the song too, and like. The subject matter, though, however, is much more Springsteen. Yeah, working man. Yeah. Kind of. And I appreciate the idea of putting personal history and generalized city history into songs because, like, that's my jam. That's my jam. I can see why you would want that to be famous. Oh, yeah. That I'd... song would be would serve people a lot better than, like, Red Solo Cup. Whoever Red that Solo. Is. That's Toby Keith. Don't. Red he Solo ha- Cup. shall not be named on this podcast. I fill you up. Let's have a party. Okay, don't destroy that beautiful moment we just Lady had. Lady Liberty is shaking her fist. We'll put a boot up your ass. It goes like this. Are those the words? Uh, that's the lyrics to um the Angry American. That's right, right after nine eleven came out. Is that a um a he who shall not be named song? Yeah, it is. It is. You keep if talking. You... I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the lyrics. No, don't. No, they're terrible. But oh, my, my God. But My if God. you sang it in that Crash Test Dummies type of voice, <laughs> if you did that voice for that song, it might actually be interesting. But I want to talk about the dupe and yeah, Detroit. Yeah, keep talking about the dupe. That's fine. I can, I can multitask. Because we live in um, Baltimore, and we both have experienced some of, of being in Detroit and some time being in Detroit. Um, and I think your scope of the city has been probably a little bit wider than mine, and I'm looking forward to exploring more with the dupe in March. Of 2018. Um, he doesn't know about it yet, but he'll find out. He's, oh, he's good. He's good in a pinch. And that's one of the things that's so enjoyable about putting these things together and also putting this sort of piecemeal patchwork type of life together is that you have friends that you may not have talked to or seen in a year, but the second that we contact them, there's the camaraderie of the shared struggle. Sure. And it's really, really nice. So like that's the benefit, I think, of, of having this sort of life is that we all know that we're freaking busy all the time trying to push these, like in a Sisyphean effort to push these little boulders that we have up a hill and everyone's struggling with that. And it's wonderful to have um, sort of comrades in arms about all over the world. We're like a, a, a million miniature syphilises. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say syphilises. Well, that would be Baltimore. Sisyph- <laughs> we got a lot of syphilis. Oh, on the way here, I heard... Uh, on the way here, you picked up some syphilis. <laughs> I picked up some syphilis and my gun. <laughs> and my gun. And some and, heroin. And a rat. <laughs> and of, oh, of course, without Baltimore, the rats. No, that we... Um, the NPR um, broadcaster this morning, I think it was an accident that he was sounded this excited, but he was like, Baltimore just broke another record for homicides, number of homicides in the year. And I was like, yes. don't be so... Enthusiastic we're having, we're having a big party about it later. Oh god! Anyway, oh man, we're gonna be firing guns in the Don't air. Don't look at the lyrics of that terrible. Song. You gotta hear it. It's I mean, I uh, hey Uncle it. Sam, put your name at the top of his list, and the Statue of Liberty started shaking her fist. The eagle will fly, man. It's gonna be hell when you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. And it feels like the whole wide world is raining down on you. Brought to you courtesy. By the red and, white and, and blue. Okay, so two things in those lyrics. Yes. She doesn't have hands for a fist because in one, she's holding... What is the book that she's holding? Uh, I think it's the Book of Mormon. <laughs> 
but I know for sure in the right hand she's holding the torch of liberty. Uh, yeah, the 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 torch of scourges. Right, and like Scourgel Simpson. So she doesn't she doesn't have time to be making any kind of fist to put. No, up she's gonna she's gonna light that. She's lighting the fuse of a thousand cannons that will bombard our enemies and kill them all. Or just like all. the Cuyahoga River, she's just putting it down into the water <laughs> and setting that on fire. Because is it Cuyahoga or is it Cuyahoga? I think it's Cuyahoga. Whatever, I only got oh, that information from REM. R-E-M. And REM mispronounced it. Well, that's the way I, that's what I'm going with. The second thing is... <laughs> Once again, the, the white man. Well, you're distracting me, and I forgot what the second thing was. Cause the, wait, we we're, settling the into our, we're settling into our roles in the podcast. What were the lyrics again about... Oh, you want more Toby Keith lyrics? After the fist. Uh, uh, oh, um, Statue of Liberty started, uh, started shaking her fist, and the eagle will fly, man. It's going to be hell when you hear Mother Freedom start ringing her bell. Oh, ringing her bell. Because whenever anyone says ring her bell... I think of that disco song that's ring about. Bell. It's, it's Ring it's My Bell. Isn't it Blondie? No, it's not Blondie. <laughs> ring My Bell. Ring My, my bell. bell. Which I'm pretty sure is about clitoral orgasm. <laughs> it totally is. Ring Something my that Toby bell. Keith knows nothing about. <laughs> I just don't really want to entrust that type of personality with <laughs> clitoral orgasms. So there you go. So this is what gonna, a way to end. This is going to end our um, because really that's when it should end. When oh, we finally new, get uh, to the clitoral orgasm, that's when it ends. That's what it's, yeah. <laughs> you know what, what was that? That was that movie. Uh, Adam uh, Adam Baldwin was in uh, called Providence, where he, he tells it he gives his son advice about sex. He goes, "Sex is like Chinese food. It's not over until you both get your cookies." <laughs> that, was, that was his advice. I need a ward. Was the ring my bell. Oh, you looked it up. I did look it up. I mean, yeah, why not? I got. She's totally talking about that. Okay, so friends, thank you for listening all the way to the end yes. of the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with me, Ellen Cherry, and Andrew Grimm. So you can find information about Andrew Grimm at www.junestar.com. That is correct. You can purchase his music at junestar.bandcamp.com. That is right. And you can find Ellen Cherry at ellencherry.com. That's all lowercase Ellen Cherry, by the way. Uh, she She is now chair dancing. I'm just letting you guys know. There's been some coffee been consumed. Uh, you can also buy her music at ellencherry.bandcamp.com. Uh, and we just, as we're recording this, we we got our uh, we got our website kind of configured. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, whyaren'tyoufamous.org. Yep. Is that where we're Whyaren'tyoufamous.org. So that's you will already know this by now because this is where you probably have gotten that. But we'll also have exclusive content on our Bandcamp page that we have to set up as well. Yeah. Um, and all that other stuff. So. Um, you know, in, in the spirit of Garrison uh, Keeler, um, go to some shows, would you? <laughs> yeah. So come see us live. Yep. And come see us on this tour in March 2018. Yep. March 2018 is going to be a good one. All right. And don't forget to, it's not over until. <laughs> ring my bell.